Listen, there's a great work to be done. As soon as you win this court battle, you must deliver this message. Take advantage of this opportunity and declare a powerful message to this world. He expects more of us. He believes we can do more. Who's going to stop Christ? Who's going to stop Christ from getting this work done? This is Behind the Work. Welcome to Behind the Work. I'm Grant Turgeon. Imagine being a leader and knowing that everyone around you is waiting for you to die. They are excited for you to die so they can betray you as fast as possible. This is exactly how the late Herbert W. Armstrong felt as he neared his death on January 16th, 1986. And he knew that the worldwide church of God was in a little bit of trouble. Of course, he trusted God to work out the situation, but he also realized there weren't a whole lot of loyal people around him. Zechariah chapters three and four give us a really striking prophecy of this end time. They talk about an end-time rebellious Joshua who succeeds an end-time loyal and God-fearing Zerubbabel. We can prove to you that this Zerubbabel type in the end-time is Mr. Armstrong and that the end-time Joshua, this rebellious leader after Zerubbabel, is the very leader who came after Mr. Armstrong in the Worldwide Church of God, Joseph Tkach. Now, it is just amazing how prophecy aligns with real-life events. You'll notice that a lot today on this show. There is so much in the Bible that has been specifically, dramatically fulfilled in this end time. God's church rebelled. 95% of the people went astray. And it unfolded exactly as God said it would thousands of years ago in Zechariah chapters 3 and 4. Notice here, Zechariah 3 starting in verse 1. And he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the eternal. And Satan standing at his right hand to resist him. And the eternal said unto Satan, the eternal rebuke you, O Satan. Even the eternal that has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this a brand plucked out of the fire? So here is a leader, this rebellious Joshua inside God's own church. And Satan has him in a vice grip. He is absolutely in the stranglehold of the devil. Here in Zechariah 3 verse 2, it talks about a brand plucked out of the fire. This is the fate of the entire rebellious Laodicean church of God. These Laodiceans described in Revelation chapter 3 as being lukewarm, as having a take-it-or-leave-it mentality about God's truth. 
These people who care more about physical things, possessions, and riches more than they do about God himself. And these people are going to go into the fire and then perhaps be plucked out. This is talking about the fire of the great tribulation. We are rapidly approaching the great tribulation. This world is falling apart. We are about to witness blazing worldwide fire figuratively speaking, and literally as well in some ways. But just the world is going to burn with all of these crippling problems that we are facing and that we do not have the solutions to. The latest scenes for rebelling against God after Mr. Armstrong died are going to have to face the fire. And only by giving their lives for God Will they, will they ever be plucked out of that fire? They will have to die physically to save their eternal lives. And this rebellious Joshua inside God's own church is leading all of these people right into the fire. Notice Zechariah 3 verse 3. Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and stood before the angel. And he answered and spoke unto those that stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. And unto him he said, Behold, I have caused your iniquity to pass from you, and I will clothe you with change of raiment. And I said, Let them set a fair mitre upon his head. So they set a fair mitre upon his head and clothed him with garments, and the angel of the eternal stood by. This is talking about how Joshua, this end time Joshua, Joseph Takach, was rebellious, and yet perhaps he had a little bit of repentance once he took charge of the church. Basically, God gave him a fresh start. Philadelphia Church of God Pastor General Gerald Flurry writes about this in Malachi's message, which you, which you can get for free at thetrumpet.com. This end time Joshua had serious disagreements with Mr. Armstrong, and yet God gave him a chance. Once Joseph Takach took over the Worldwide Church of God, he had a fresh start. He had a real chance to turn things around, despite being a traitor in his heart of hearts he would have a chance to make things right. Notice here on page 83 of our free book, Raising the Ruins, written by Mr. Stephen Fleury. This is talking about how Joseph Takach really did have serious disagreements with Mr. Armstrong. Joseph Takach wrote that he had challenges about the validity of certain doctrines and he realized that there were indeed doctrinal questions that had never been adequately answered. Joseph Takach himself wrote that. He had serious disagreements with what God taught the church through Mr. Armstrong. 
And yet, do you think he ever asked those questions to Mr. Armstrong? Did he ever ask Mr. Armstrong to help him understand? No. He kept these major doctrinal disagreements to himself. And of course, God was involved in Mr. Armstrong choosing Joseph Tkach as his successor. But do you really think Mr. Armstrong would have chosen a successor who disagreed with basically everything he taught? If Mr. Armstrong had known the truth about Mr. Tkach's beliefs, would he have really chosen Mr. Tkach to take over the WCG? Of course not. Mr. Takach's disagreements went back to the 1970s. Mr. Armstrong didn't die until 1986. So Joseph Takach was in God's church privately disagreeing with God's man, Mr. Armstrong, for about a decade, probably at least a decade, if not even more. Yet he kept those disagreements a secret. Yet here God is in Zechariah chapter 3 saying, you're getting a fresh start. I will take off your filthy garments and put clean garments upon you. Zechariah 3 verse 5 is talking about a fair mitre being put upon this end time rebellious Joshua's head. And that's really talking about a turban, which is a symbol of God's government. This man with filthy spiritual garments received a new wardrobe. He received clean garments and he received a turban figuratively symbolizing God's government. He was allowed to take over God's own church and God gave him a fair chance to set things right in his own life so that he could follow in Mr. Armstrong's footsteps. Notice Zechariah 3, verses 6 and 7. And the angel of the eternal protested unto Joshua, saying, Thus says the eternal of hosts, If you will walk in my ways, and if you will keep my charge, then you shall also judge my house, and shall also keep my courts. And I will give you places to walk among these that stand by. God is all about repentance. And perhaps there was some small measure of repentance in Joseph Tkach when it came time for him to lead the WCG. God was open to Mr. Tkach leading the church. Yet, of course, these prophecies written, in thou- written thousands of years in advance indicated that Mr. Tkach would not make good on his opportunity. Now, this chapter goes on to talk about Joshua and his fellows. That's Zechariah 3 and verse 8. It talks about Joshua the high priest and your fellows that sit before you, for they are men wondered at. That could read, men of sign, men of wondrous sign. 
And it continues, for behold, I will bring forth my servant, the branch. Joshua and his fellows, the rebellious, traitorous cabal at the top of the Worldwide Church of God after Herbert W. Armstrong died in 1986 are a sign that Jesus Christ is about to return. There is good news in all of this. Raising the Ruins, again, by Mr. Stephen Flurry, which you can get for free at thetrumpet.com, talks all about Takach's fellows. Here in this prophecy of Zechariah 3, the end-time rebellious Joshua has his fellows. Joseph Takach also had his fellows. This is specific prophecy being specifically fulfilled. Chapter 5 of, of this book, Raising the Ruins, titled Takach's Fellows, describes all the men in Joseph Takach's entourage. And by the way, Mr. Armstrong did not want Joseph Takach to keep his staff when he became pastor general of the WCG. Joseph Takach was supposed to take on Mr. Armstrong's staff of assistants, not elevate his own assistants. This was really the first way that Joseph Takach rebelled when he took over the church. He kept the very same fellows who had been rebelling in secret for years before Mr. Armstrong died. He promoted his fellows to chief positions within the church, and he basically ordained all of them evangelists, the highest office within the church under God's apostle himself. Within two years of Mr. Armstrong dying, Michael Fazell, Joseph Takach Jr., Bernard Schnippert, and Donald Ward were ordained evangelists. And these men, in almost every case, came out of nowhere and were elevated to the greatest positions of power within the church. And these men really also harbored serious disagreements with Mr. Armstrong. The evidence of this is in chapter six of Raising the Ruins, which is titled Fingerprints. You see, back in the 1970s, a similar rebellion took place. It was a lot easier to complete the job after Mr. Armstrong died when he was no longer around to keep the church on track. But they certainly tried hard in 1970 to pull off the same exact coup. And all of these fellows, all of these men, anointed evangelists by Joseph Takach after Mr. Armstrong died, they were a part of the 1970s rebellion as well. Notice page 68 of Raising the Ruins. The principal players in the Takach transformation left their fingerprints all over the crime scene during the 1970s. But unlike Garner, Ted, and a few others, they never got caught. They fled the scene once Mr. Armstrong showed up, physically revitalized, 
and determined to prosecute the guilty. Joe Jr. got laid off, went through a divorce, and hibernated in Arizona. Fazell also laid off, went to Arizona to teach fifth graders. Schnippert settled into a small congregation in Las Vegas. Dr. Ward moved to East Texas. Then, after Mr. Armstrong's failing health finally got the best of him, they returned from hiding and immediately went to work on accomplishing what they and others almost did in the 1970s. The rest of this chapter goes into detail about how doctrines that God restored to the worldwide church of God through Herbert W. Armstrong were being subtly changed. All of these important doctrines of God's church were being subtly changed right after Mr. Armstrong died in 1986, but also undercover before Mr. Armstrong even died. This was a treacherous scheme. It's really shocking even to read about it. Just how galling all of it was. So much gall in Joshua and his fellows. Revelation 3 verse 9 says, Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before your feet and to know that I have loved you. The key part here is the synagogue of Satan. This was within God's own church, even before Mr. Armstrong died. A cache of rebels hiding in plain sight within the church. They had their rebellious beliefs. They wanted to throw out the Bible and throw out all of God's revelation, throw out God's law and God's government. But they couldn't do it as long as Mr. Armstrong was alive. This synagogue of Satan operated in secret within the worldwide church of God and then slowly crept out into the open once he finally died. And we can look at some of these changes that the WCG began to make very slowly before and then right after Mr. Armstrong died. Here's a big one. The identity of Babylon. Babylon is talked about in Revelation chapters 17 and 18. Mr. Armstrong always pinpointed Babylon as a great false church in this world. The Catholic church. This church throughout history has been involved in empires. They have lent their strength to empires and made empires look a little bit more righteous and pure because they were backed by a church. But really this church has lusted for power and money ever since it was created. This church was created as a counterfeit back in AD 33, 
just two years after the true church was founded. But you could see why the WCG would want to get rid of this belief. They wouldn't want to expose modern Babylon anymore because really what it is is exposing the largest church in the entire world and everyone who subscribes to the Catholic belief system. That invites a lot of conflict, doesn't it? Speaking out against the biggest church in the entire world? This was a radical shift in the way the WCG did things. After Mr. Armstrong, they didn't quite want to deliver the hard parts of God's truth. They didn't want any conflict. They didn't want to preach the truth regardless of the consequences. They just wanted to blend in. They cared about what the world around them thought about them. They didn't want to be considered a cult. And so they threw out this truth about the identity of Babylon. They also didn't want to expose Germany's involvement in starting two world wars, which is a proven track record that makes it pretty clear that Germany will start the third world war. And so these rebellious editors in the WCG just weaseled their way into various pieces of church literature and they start making these little changes in there. They don't expose the Catholic church anymore. They don't expose Germany anymore. They don't want to identify who really started these world wars. They start updating the literature and by updating, I mean, slashing truth out of it. Oh, here's another change. They talk about how they want to be a little bit more open-minded with regard to race. They called Mr. Armstrong a racist simply because Mr. Armstrong acknowledged that Jesus Christ happened to be white, that the ancient nation of Israel happened to be white, it's not particularly important what the skin color was, but knowing the races of these different groups of people does help us understand some of the Bible history and Bible prophecy a little bit better. Mr. Armstrong didn't harp on skin color. He was not obsessed with race but his opponents branded him a racist. Now, doesn't that sound familiar? Don't we see radical communists today accusing everyone else of being racist while they are obsessed and fixated on race 24-7? Maybe they're projecting their own wrong way of thinking onto those with whom they disagree. And maybe that's exactly what was happening when Mr. Armstrong's opponents attacked him. They accused him of racism, but what does that say about them? Another big change came with the college campuses. Mr. Armstrong wanted to close the Big Sandy campus in Texas and 
focus on the Pasadena campus in California, he had to really work hard to get the college back on track. But for some reason, the end time Joshua and his fellows were obsessed with the big Sandy campus. And they wanted to be accredited. They wanted to gain the world's approval of their college. They wanted to submit to worldly regulations instead of caring about God's standard of education. True education that teaches not how to earn a living, but how to live. And in the process, you also learn how to make a living. They changed the commission of God's church away from Matthew 24, verse 14 to Matthew 28, verse 19. And the big difference between those verses is that Matthew 24, verse 14 talks about going out to the world, delivering a message to the world of the good news of the coming kingdom of God. While Matthew 28, verse 19 really talks about gaining as many converts as possible. It turned the entire church inward. No longer did God's church do a worldwide work. As indicated by the name of the church, the worldwide church of God. They turned inward. They focused on their own congregations and they no longer delivered God's message to the world. These are all major changes. They wanted to get the focus off all of the specific prophecies that Mr. Armstrong fulfilled. And then at the end of it all, they called these changes Christ's agenda. Of course, it took them many years to even admit that they were making any changes at all. But then when they finally did, they said they were making changes based on Christ's agenda. We need to understand this history. This is vital history for God's people to know today. This is vital history about God's work. And it really does remind us of the horrifying rebellion that took place after Mr. Armstrong died. And what a sobering reminder that is for us. Thanks so much for listening today. I'm Grant Turgeon. This has been Behind the Work. You've been listening to Behind the Work. Email your thoughts to comments at kpcg.fm. Listen for a new episode each Monday at 12 p.m. Central Time.